Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. So Hosea wants um, to bring his wife back and have a, a, a sort of homecoming and a fruitful marriage where all the mistakes are gone. And we'll see that it's not just a homecoming, but it's, such a, it's a marriage that flourishes and so it brings life to those uh, around them. So think of a good marriage. A good marriage is always a blessing beyond the marriage and the family. And people are in the marriage home and people are being cared for and people are finding refuge and help and support within a healthy marriage because a really fruitful marriage is always radiating love out of it to others. And that is the kind of homecoming Hosea wants with Goma and God wants with us as he pays this price to bring us back, to restore us, to say, I don't want you back as, you know, I, I don't want you back as a slave or I want you back as mine. He wants to make us fruitful so others would receive this blessing and love. So that's what we're going to see today. So let's pick the story up. In chapters one to, in verses 1 to 3 or 14, we see a true homecoming to God. It says this, Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. Take words with you and say to the Lord, Say to him, Forgive all our sins and receive us graciously, that we may offer the fruits of our lips. Assyria cannot save us. We will not mount war horses. We will never again say our gods to what our hands have made. For you, for you, for in you the fatherless find compassion. So Hosea is saying to God's people, come back, say sorry, and say no more idols. We're done with all the false lovers. And God will return and uh, have compassion. He will bring you home. And then he says, then you'll have this fruitful marriage. So verse 4 says this, I will heal their waywardness and love them freely, for my anger has turned away from them. So God wants to heal us. And it is important, it kind of, this is where we left yesterday. And Craig's beautiful picture of the padlock being broken. And it's like, there is a healing thing that God wants to do in all our lives from the mistakes of the past. And we have to believe that he's able to heal. Just as Goma was able to be restored in this tatty mess that she was in to Hosea. God wants to restore us. That might be from sexual sin. It might be from any sin, any mistakes. But God says, I want to heal your waywardness. I want to love you freely. And so there's healing for those that return to Jesus. And then he says this, I will be like the Jew to Israel. He will blossom like a lily, like the cedar of Lebanon. He will send down his roots. Now, when I first read the book of Hosea to study it, when I first studied it for these talks, I just underlined verse. This was just my favorite verse in the whole book. I just thought it was amazing. Think about what it means for God to be like Jew to his people. Jew covers everything. Jew is new every morning. Jew is refreshing. Jew brings a sense of newness, a fresh start, a new beginning. And that happens every single morning of the day. And so it's as if God is saying to his people, this is what I want to be to you. There's a, there's, a fact, there's, a, there's a similar sort of idea in the book of Lamentations. It's a book full of suffering and desolation. As, Israel, as Jerusalem is being destroyed and the prophet Jeremiah laments. And we get these lamentations. But he says this in the middle. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. This is one of the most amazing things about a relationship with God. Is he's like due to us. 
He's, it's new every morning. It's fresh. There's mercy every morning. And there's joy and power and compassion and kindness and forgiveness on hand every morning. If only we would come to him. And the thing about God being like Jesus, you never get tired of him. You never get bored of him. You can never have enough of him. You can never get over familiar with him. You can never get desensitized to him. Why? Because he's new every morning. He's not just the same every morning. There's a newness that God wants to bring every morning. That's why eternity in heaven is not going to be boring. Because we're going to learn for eternity more about God. And we're going to explore. And we're going to constantly be learning. And it's going to be amazing to be in the new heavens and the new earth. So God says, I want to be new every morning. I want to be like Jew. Well, I will be like Jew. I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to heal you. And then I'm going to be like Jew to you. And what will happen, it says, he will blossom like a lily, like a cedar of Lebanon. He will send down his deep roots. When God becomes like Jew in our lives, we become fruitful. We blossom. We're beautiful. We're radiant. We're attractive. We're full of color and life and vitality. Goma, the tatty prostitute who was up for sale, is going to be beautiful and radiant again. She's going to be healed. And God says, my people Israel who are committing adultery to, to the foreign nations and idols, I'm going to heal. They're going to be beautiful again, like I meant them to be. And so you and I, God says to us, Come back to me, I'll forgive your past, I'll heal your mess, I'll restore you to a true homecoming and marriage. And then, in any true marriage, I want to make you blossom and flourish. And I want to bring out the best in you, all the colour and the fruit. And then he goes on to say, I want to make you like a cedar of Lebanon. How many of you want to be like a cedar of Lebanon? Well, you will, because you're super strong. You have deep roots. You see, Goma must have felt so dirty and defiled. And if anyone said to her, you're going to be beautiful again, (coughs) she would have said no. And God says, yeah, that's how powerful my healing is. And if anyone had said to her, you're going to be this strong, secure person, not swayed, not tossed to and fro, not dependent on what other men are saying about you, she would have said no. And God says, yes, I want to make you beautiful. I want to wash you clean with the blood of my son. I want to transform you internally and make you beautiful just as I was preparing this morning I was reminded of that amazing verse in 1 Peter where it says this it says your beauty should not come from outward adornments such as braided hair the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes instead it should be of that inner self that unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is of great worth in the sight of God so God says you're beautiful in my sight because Jesus has washed you clean You've been cleansed. But I want to bring an internal beauty. I want, to br- I want the fruit of the Spirit. I want the, the character of Jesus to be formed in you. So you become this beautiful person inside. And all the anger and the bitterness and the jealousy and the envy and all those things that our false gods are doing to us and how they're making us feel. He said, I want to change. I want to make you beautiful inside. Goma, I want to make you beautiful. And I want to make you strong and stable so that life, False gods, people, pressures, suffering. Don't toss you and you feel like you can't get up again. No, I'm a cedar of Lebanon. How? God was like Jude to me. He just transformed me. He did it. I've got these deep roots. Where did they come from? Jesus did something remarkable. He's made me so strong. And if you know, think about church planting and starting a new church and coming into a new city. I mean, it's going to be pressures and we need to know we're strong because God is like Jude to us. 
And he carries on to say in verse 6, his young shoots will grow, his splendor will be like an olive tree, his fragrance like a cedar of Lebanon. Again, God is speaking about Israel. And he's talking about strength and vitality, color and radiance, of newness and stability. The cedar of Lebanon is going to grow and grow and grow and become so strong. And you can imagine Gomer saying, there's no chance this is ever going to happen to me. But you see, a cedar of Lebanon starts as a very small seed. And when God puts the word of God in you through the Holy Spirit to breathe new life, you can go, I'm so far off, yeah, but new life is now growing. The Spirit of God is doing something in me. And no matter how small and pathetic, if God's at work, he can bring a massive, enormous cedar. He can take a mess like Gomer and make them beautiful and strong. He can take a mess like Israel and make them beautiful and strong. He can take a mess like you and me. He says, if I can just plant my seed again, if you'll allow my love to come in, ah, we could grow something back. If this marriage could be so fruitful, I could make you beautiful and strong. Something so small that has great potential to grow. God will forgive his people. He'll heal his people. He'll be like due to his people. And the result will be the strengthening and flourishing of his people. But that's not actually the end game. Verse 7 is what God is all about. This is where the promises to Abraham are fulfilled. Men will dwell again in his shade. Talking of Israel. He will flourish like the grain. He will blossom like a vine. And his fame will be like the wine from Lebanon. Men again will dwell in his shade. And his fame will become famous. Israel's fame will be like wine. Do you remember a good marriage brings others into it? So that they too can know healing and love and be part of the family and find strength from that marriage. Hosea is talking about others who would come, other nations, other people, and find blessing and strength within God's people. That would be his intention to Abraham. Remember, I want to bless you, Abraham, not so you can keep it to yourself. So you can share this blessing, so others can come under the shade and the refuge of this blessing. Those who are like Goma, whose life is just so hard and there's so much pressure and there's so much evil and there's so much going on, can go, but I came to know these people and they loved me and they cared for me and I was like in their shade and I just experienced the love of God because I was amongst the people of God. That's what God wanted Abraham's descendants to be like and we by faith are Abraham's descendants. Wine. Thank you for the wine. Wine speaks of something that Leanne and I will enjoy that tonight. It's enjoyable. It's to be prized. It's special. It's to say thank you. It's something we look forward to. It's something we want. God's people are supposed to be like this. So attractive. So beautiful. So, so, you know, like wine. I want to make you like this to the nations and the people around you. And you go, I could never do it. No, you couldn't. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be like you to you. I'm going to make you blossom. I'm going to make you strong. So others can know this life and peace and joy and strength and courage. Men will find refuge. And women will find refuge amongst the people of God. Because God is going to make us strong and radiant. This year we looked at the book of Ruth. If you're with us as a church on a Sunday in the first uh, in January. Do you remember the book of Ruth? It's a brilliant story about what God's people are supposed to be like. It's like they've become a cedar of Lebanon. Remember, Ruth is a Moabite widow. So she's a foreigner to Israel. She's from Moab. She's a widow. Her husband has died. And she's committed to her Israelite mother-in-law, Naomi. 
Humanly speaking, Ruth is in a very vulnerable situation. She's a woman in a time where men held power. She's a foreigner in a land where Moabites were treated with disdain. She's a widow in a culture where women, to have status and security, needed to marry and have sons. Ruth had nothing, but God had his eye on Ruth. And so did an older man named Boaz. Boaz feared God and obeyed the law. He was at pains to make sure Ruth was cared for, both by providing food and ensuring none of the men molested her. When Ruth made an advance towards Boaz for marriage, he acted with integrity, obeyed God's law, did what was right, but in the end was able to marry Ruth and provide for her. Boaz is a strong and radiant cedar that Hosea is talking about. And under his shade and refuge, a very vulnerable Moabite widow found a whole new life. She became strong. She became radiant. She became part of the line that led to Jesus. Boaz's life was a provocative witness. And that was what God's law to Moses said. If you live according to my ways, the nations will be blessed. You know, this is what God wants to do to us. He says, you know, that woman that I know, she's a Christian. and like, She's kind of quiet, but she has a strength about her. When she stands for something, I mean, she really knows what she... Where does that strength come from? You know, he's like quite a sort of out there guy. He likes to be popular or at least like have, have fun at the party. But I mean, he's always there to listen to me. Whenever I have a problem, he's the one there. Like, what is it about these people? You know, I see the way that they relate to one another. And there's you know, genuine respect and there's rich and there's poor and there's old and there's young and there's black. And, and they're all like, what it is about these people? They're so different. And God says, yeah, I want to make you so radiant, so different. That people look at you and go, what is it? And you go, it's God. I'm, I'm married to the creator of the universe. And he changes me. And he changes us. And this is how grace works. You know the forgiveness of God. Like Jerry was saying, that means you can be intimate with him. But you can't treat that lightly because it, it then changes you. And then God says, right, now go back out. And through your life... Show people this. So God wants us to return, to forgive us, to heal us, to strengthen us, to cause us to flourish so others might come in. And so this is the conclusion. Oh, Ephraim, which is a way of God often described Israel. What more have I to do with, what, uh, what more have I to do with idols? Like nothing, you have nothing more. I will answer him and care for him. I am like a green pine tree. Your faith, fruitfulness comes from me. So God changes the metaphor or Hosea changes the metaphor from dew to a fruitful tree, a vine. He says your fruitfulness comes from me. Jesus picked up on these words. Just as marriage, Hosea uses the idea of marriage that becomes a metaphor for the rest of scripture. So he uses the idea of fruitfulness that Isaiah is going to pick up on and Jesus is going to pick up on. In fact it goes back to the Garden of Eden and the tree. That we're supposed to find our healing and our life from the tree of life. And Jesus is the fulfillment of that. But he says this. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. So Jesus said, I'm like this vine. You're branches. If a man remains in me, if he stays married to me, if he keeps forsaking his idols, if my word remains in him, if I can cleanse him, He will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He goes on to say, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to bear fruit, fruit that will last for my Father's glory. 
Hosea says at the end of verse 8, your fruitfulness comes from me. Jesus says, now I'm the true vine, I'm the true bridegroom. You're grafted into me as a branch. You're married to me as the bride. And your fruitfulness comes from me. Because whenever you think, well, I could never do these things, that's the point. You say, no, my fruitfulness doesn't come from my hard work. This isn't a religion where we try hard and do lots of things. We say, I just know the one who empowers me. So this is a great way of looking at it, okay? Philippians 2 says this, Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This is what we looked at last night. I've got to do something in response with fear and trembling. I've got to work this out. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. This is the secret of the Christian faith living in Okay, God has done something so wonderful, I've got to work this out. And I've got to do it with awe and wonder. That's last night. But today it says, ha, you can't do anything unless God's working in you. Your fruitfulness comes from Him. Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. So which is it? Do you work out? Is it my hard work in the Christian life? Or is He working in? Is it God's hard work in me? And the answer is, it's both. I need to be obedient. I need to obey God, I need to think through the faith, I need to say no to idols, I need to resist temptation, I need to keep coming to him for his love. But ultimately I'm dependent, I can't do anything unless he's doing it. So this is the tension we see all the way through scripture. Now some people go too far to one side, and it's only the secret to the Christian life is when you get both. So some people go, I'm going to work really hard, but there's no, you know, it's not that, it's the Revelation 2 stuff. There's no love, there's no faith, there's no hope that's inspiring it. If that happens, there's no power, there's no joy, there's no flourishing. It's really hard work, it's heads down. Legalism. I've got to do this to please God. It leads to burnout and you give up. This is what most Christians in Ireland think Christianity is about. I've just got to do this. I've got to perform well. I've got to turn up to the right events. I've got to make sure my kids go through the right rituals. What else? I've got to go to confession. What else? I've got to get... Oh, my life. There's no power. There's no joy. There's no flourishing. It's really hard work. I've got to get my head down. I feel guilty all the time. But don't worry. This is going to lead to burnout. It's Ireland. Ireland is burnt out from this. Obedience with no depend, No life of the Spirit in us. No grace empowering us. The problem is Ireland is probably going to do this. Okay, cool, we don't have to do anything now, we just depend on God and his forgiveness and his love. Everyone goes to heaven in the end anyway, don't they? No, it's all God. You get lazy and sinful. You drift and you stop growing. And you say, do what you want, God will forgive me. So, one is, if you know the story of the prodigal sons, the elder brother, the top one, he's working really hard for his father, but he's actually very distant from his father. And he's angry inside, he's full of resentment, He's, he's a religious man. And this one is the younger brother. He's spending his money on prostitutes and wild living. Both of them are miles from the father. One is an elder brother, being really hard to obey all the rules, working really hard to obey all the rules. One is the younger brother. I don't have any rules. You get rules? What are they? And both are missing what God has for them. And neither of them are growing, and neither of them are flourishing. So what we need, and there's no fear and trembling in either of them. So the elder brother doesn't actually fear and tremble in that heart changed adoration and awe before his father and the younger brother obviously treats his father very lightly 
both younger brother and elder brother religion, both obedience, I'm working really hard, but I mean, God, he's not empowering this. Or dependence, it's all God, who cares, I don't do anything. Don't change your heart. You know, God forgives everyone, that doesn't change your heart. God doesn't forgive anyone, that doesn't change your heart. God forgives those through the costly love of his son, that changes your heart. Those that turn to him in faith. See, people take God lightly, they take holiness lightly, they take grace, cross, and love of God lightly. We looked at this last night. We need to know that our fruitfulness comes from him, but then, obviously, we're called to grow in response to this. So one person put it like this, and it really helped me. Stop living for Jesus. Let Jesus live in and through you. And I remember when I first heard this teaching from this guy, Charles Price, that was it. I was like, oh, my life, I think all my life is about living for Jesus. And Jesus is going, no, your fruitfulness comes from me. It's about me living for you. And you allowing that. So stop working so hard. Stop thinking it's all about you. Let me live in you. And then you can start to work out your salvation. So it's like two sides of a plane, this guy Charles Price said. It's like you've got obedience here. I've got to do something. You've got dependence here. God's got to do it all. And a plane's going to crash unless it's got both its wings. And some people go, oh, it's all, it's all my hard work, and you crash this way. Some people go, no, God's going to do it all, and you crash this way. You've got to go, my, my fruitfulness comes from him. So what am I going to do with this power and this love that God is giving me? But ultimately, the whole point is, you come home to God, there's a fruitful marriage, and then men, it says, will dwell in our shade. This weekend's about being known the love of God. It's relentless. We so often spurn it. He wants to win us back. He wants to win our hearts. He wants to free us again from all the things that enslave us. So he can bring us really home, really deep, really close. So that he can make us flourish. So he can be like a Jew. So we can make us like a cedar of Lebanon, strong and radiant. So that others might be blessed. And that is why we're starting a church in Dublin. That God would do something in us and our community that others might go it's because of these guys that I found hope and I found life and I found strength. We can't do it unless God is empowering us. If we try and work really hard, we'll burn out. So that's why we need to know it's God. I want to be the cedar. I, I'm going to do my bit of working out, but please work in me. Please free me from false lovers. And I want you to think of your friends and your family that don't know Jesus. I want you to think of the areas where you have to go into the darkness and be a light. I want you to think of the areas where you feel like bending and you're not like a cedar. You say, Lord, make me strong in that context. Make me able to stand up for Jesus. I want you to think of those areas where you think, I don't shine, I'm not radiant. And go, Lord, I want you to be like you to me in these scenarios of darkness and trial and hardship. And I want others to experience the love that I've experienced as we go from here.